traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Welcome to the Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. Hey there. All right, let's get this rolling. Now, in a world where everything is racist, it shouldn't come as a surprise that trees, you heard me correctly, trees are now considered racist. Do we have any Monty Python flying circus music, Jody? That's, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, not to worry. I'm just sort of throwing that out there facetiously because in, indeed we are living in a Monty Python sketch, folks. There's a school in Portland, Portland, Oregon, where else, that is uh, delaying the confirmation of its new team name. They want to change, the school wants to change their team name to the Evergreens and uh, they're delaying that because the school is worried that trees might be racist. I'll have that uh, story a little later. A great opinion piece in uh, a recent Toronto Sun by a partner at a Toronto law firm about unelected, unaccountable medical officers of health. Uh, They basically have the power to override a democratically elected government. And we're witnessing that right now. If you just heard the news, Toronto starting tomorrow will be closing down their schools for in-person learning. It'll be remote learning only. Of course, um, Peel region now, Wellington also closed at the behest of the medical officers of health, unelected, unaccountable medical officers of health. They basically have the power, again, to override a democratically elected government. And uh, I will be speaking with uh, Ryan O'Connor a little bit later about it. This is very disturbing to me. I think it's just plain wrong. Certainly medical officers of health should have limited powers to close or fine individual businesses for health violations, they have that power, but but to have such sweeping authority to override the premier and uh, close schools in a region, based on what? Based on what? They don't have to present data. Uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll talk to Ryan O'Connor about that. Um, what else is going on? Oh, the um, on April Fools, 
April 1st, I talked about NBC News anchor Les Holt, who said fairness in journalism is overrated. And that, folks, that was not an April Fool's joke. He actually said that. Well, Brit Hume has uh, delivered Brit Hume of uh, former um, Washington uh, correspondent for ABC News for like 23 years now, of course, a political analyst at Fox. Brit Hume has delivered, I think, a scathing journalism 101 lesson to uh, Lester Holt and his woke colleagues in the mainstream media. And I'll share that with you. Major League Baseball has uh, denied Atlanta the All-Star Game, and they're moving it to Denver because Grampy Joe Biden says Georgia's voter integrity law is Jim Crow 2.0. So in the name of social justice, Atlanta loses the All-Star Game. Keeping in mind, Atlanta, where the majority of residents are black, almost 30% of the businesses are owned by blacks. So losing that all-star game is going to mean, by some estimates, a loss of about $150 million to the local Atlanta economy. And where are they moving it? To Denver, where most of the residents are white and where they have some of very similar voting integrity laws uh, as Georgia. But, you know, Grampy Joe says the MLB has to do it and he wouldn't lie or distort the truth. Right. Well, uh, I'll talk about that uh, time permitting. Yesterday, Dr. Patrick Phillips, our small town family physician and lover of freedom, joined us as he does every Monday to talk about some of the adverse reactions to the COVID vaccine he's personally witnessed in the ER. And I'm going to replay that. Uh, because or at least a part of it and read something that another doctor wrote on social media in reaction to Dr. Phillips trying to cancel Dr. Phillips. It's quite chilling. Uh, Anti-lockdown protester Chris Skye uh, has gained a lot of notoriety on social media for refusing to comply with mandatory hotel quarantines and for counseling other Canadians, uh, travelers at the airport returning home from overseas how to do the same. And he's got himself into some hot water, obviously. Um, He's a hero to some and quite quite clearly a villain to others. And he'll join me an hour or two in our featured guest slot. Now, if that isn't enough show for you, the irascible but lovable Lou Skeezus is here. Oh, Lou. Hi, Richard. Great to be with you. Uh, Another great day here at Saga 960 and the Richard Sirich Show. Can't tell you how excited I am. Yes, I know, because, you know, being a lover of dogs as you are, and I think we made that quite clearly that you are now officially a dog lover. Right. I got that right. Right. I'm not misquoting. Well, I, you know, again, <laughs> it's not love. It is respect. OK. You know, oh, well, we, I can, all right. Well, I can say this. Right. Like not having had a dog in my environment for close to 40 years, um, you know, I wasn't used to having this entity that is not human sharing my space and needing things like, you know, they need to be fed. They need to be, you know, taken outside to relieve themselves. And by the way, Richard, I am currently on a campaign because some miscreant in my neighborhood is allowing their dog to defecate on the sidewalk. That's the worst. You know, I, I can abide a lot, but that's one of those things. Well, actually, there are two things. Vending machines that take my quarter <laughs> and people who don't pick up after their animals. But you see, I can tolerate it on the boulevard. You know, that grassy strip right. Of, right. on the other side, closer yes. to the road. Right. I can abide by it. I don't care for it. I thought we had a social convention like not smoking, uh, you know, in buildings and, and that sort of thing. I thought we had that 
established. But this no good, Nick, uh, you know, is allowing uh, and maybe there's more than one because on two occasions yesterday and then again today, I noticed that somebody had allowed their companion the god the dog they're guarding to defecate on the sidewalk can you imagine oh lord i know and then you step on it and you go for a bit of a skate in the, in the, in the spring no less <laughs> well believe me you better have your heads up i did make a poster that says pick up after your dog you know leaving the solid waste on the sidewalk is not our uh, community standard, and I, get, I put the date on it. Now I'm waiting to see what the response is. And, you know, because it was in, in front of my house, I said to my wife, so is this by hazard or by choice? Is somebody choosing this action in front of my house or is somebody, you know, just a victim of circumstance? That's where Fido had to go. Right, right. In other words, are they making a political statement? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, what is going on? You know, so now I have to make inquiries about, um, you know, getting some cameras installed, surveillance. I got to yes. I got to harden my perimeter. <laughs> harden the perimeter. Well, absolutely. No, I'm well, with you. I don't, you, know, I don't I, know how to take I'm, it. I'm incensed and it's not even my sidewalk. I'm incensed for you. It's, well, it, that drives a, me up the wall. Well, yeah. And, you know, my buddy, Jerry, who I see on my walks with his dog and my dog, you know, he was livid one day. And, um, you know, I said, well, you know, you got to tolerate it. I said, you know, as a former Boy Scout, you know, I would occasionally pick up somebody else's dog stuff. But I had it today when it was all over the sidewalk. It's ridiculous. Indeed. Indeed. Richard, are you touching buttons again? I, no, it just my, my webcam, it, it has a mind of its own. It just goes on and off like willy nilly. If I can oh, hear me, there no, we are. you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. much the story of my life. I'm in and out. All right. Uh, you know, yesterday I neglected to uh, to um, do a German word of the day. So we're going to reinstitute that today. Jyoti, if you please. All right. Now, I've been working on this one all day. I'm going to pronounce. I've been working on the pronunciation. The German word, the German word of the day is Berserkschornsteinfigermeister. Now that's a mouthful. How many letters is that? <laughs> One, two, a lot. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, maybe 26. Berserk, One more time. All right, here we go. The German word of the day is Berserkschornsteinfigermeister. You know what? You are getting better. I think you need to represent Saga 960 at Oktoberfest. Ah, there's an idea. All you right. Know, our, our foreign correspondent. <laughs> Here's what it means. Berserkschornstein Piegermeister means the head chimney sweep of the governing district. So obviously that word is a bit of an anachronism. We don't have chimney sweeps anymore, but that's what it means. Okay. Well, you know, I don't know where I'm going to use it. <laughs> In polite conversation, <laughs> but I am you looking forward to your reports from Oktoberfest. Maybe you should try and just book a uh, trip to Kitchener Waterloo for their Oktoberfest. That's right. This start is, small. You know, yeah, well, start local yeah. and then work your way out, you know, to, to get yourself to Munich. All right. Yeah. München. Previous to that, the only German I knew was Ich bin ein Berliner. There you go. There That's you go. a good one. Okay. So what do you have in the markets for us, Lou? Yeah, taking a look at market activity today, uh, Richard, we didn't get any further increase. I would say markets were uh, taking a bit of a breather. We did get a late rally in the TSX, though, up 
77 points at a uh, 0.41% increase, 19,104. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 130 points. The NASDAQ was up uh, one and a half points today. The Canadian dollar down uh, 33 one hundredths of a cent, 79.50 U.S. cents. Oil up 71 cents, 59.36 U.S. per barrel. Gold up $13.90, U.S. per ounce. Back in an hour, happy capitalism. All right, Lou, talk soon. When we come back, Ryan O'Connor, Toronto-based lawyer, talking about the unelected uh, medical officers of health and how much power they have just to close schools seemingly on a whim, uh, even overriding uh, the uh, the edicts of the provincial government in this case. That conversation is next in about three minutes. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Schools in Peel, Wellington and starting tomorrow, Toronto have been ordered closed for in-person learning until April the 18th by local medical officers of health. Despite the provincial government saying it's their firm belief they should remain open. Ryan O'Connor is a Toronto-based lawyer with the Zayuna Law Firm and he's representing clients who are challenging the provincial pandemic restrictions. And he recently wrote a piece in the Toronto Sun how powerful health officials need to be more accountable. Ryan, thanks so much for your time. Good to be with you, Richard. Let's talk a little bit about these medical officers of health, what kind of powers they have at their disposal that would allow them to defy the provincial government and close the schools. Well, provincial legislation, Richard, uh, the Health Promotion and uh, Protection Act specifically, empowers local medical officers of health Uh, to use broad powers to close down business, to impact the local economy, and in this case, in Peel region and elsewhere in the province, to uh, shut down schools. So they have this authority that they would typically use in, you know, outside of a pandemic context to, for example, shut down a restaurant that's uh, where there's been a, you know, an infestation or a hygiene issue to you know, addressing issues concerning the water supply, uh, et cetera. But we've seen during the course of the pandemic in Ontario, local medical officers of health going above and beyond what the province has deemed appropriate from its perspective in terms of uh, restrictions on business and restrictions on life. Uh, We use the example in Toronto of Dr. Davila starting effectively a Toronto lockdown some two weeks before uh, the province decided it was appropriate in November. So these powers have been exercised um, in quite an extensive way by local medical officers of health throughout the pandemic. And now it's sort of really hitting home that they themselves are closing schools when the province has deemed schools in Peel region and elsewhere to be safe with all of the precautions they've implemented. My understanding is, correct me if I'm wrong, that the, these orders from these MOHs can be challenged within a 14-day period before an adjudicator, and then the, the MOH would have to provide data demonstrating that these, these lockdowns or these school closures are needed. Is that correct? That's correct. So anyone who's subject to uh, what's called a Section 22 class order, and that's the order that Dr. Lowe in Peel Region has uh, issued to close schools, and that's the order that's being issued in Wellington County. And we understand now, as of today, there will be one in Toronto. 
anyone who's affected by a class order, so that in the case of Peel, that would be a parent with a, a child in school whose school is now closed, um, they have the right to go to the Health Services and Appeals Review Board uh, to appeal that decision. Uh, and a hearing takes place rather quickly, uh, within 15 days. Um, and that hearing would, uh, uh, you know, would uh, have the medical officer of health presenting evidence to justify the restrictions that they've imposed. They have to meet three very strict criteria uh, under the legislation. And if they cannot meet that by the evidence that's filed, then, then there's a chance that the Health Services and Appeals Review Board uh, would deem the order to be a uh, uh, to be inappropriate and ultimately uh, quash it. So there is that right on an urgent basis for parents to go to the board to seek relief against this order if, again, they can uh, convince the board to, uh, to grant it. And does a medical officer of, he- of health have to present to anyone prior to these or- orders to close schools? Do they have to present any data? No, that the, the legislation that allows them to do this only requires that they uh, uh, have reasonable grounds to believe that there's a communicable disease outbreak in the community, um, and that uh, and that the order will will somehow address that. I'm paraphrasing because the language is somewhat complicated in the law, but provided they meet three pardon me, they believe they meet the three criteria under the legislation, then uh, then they're able to issue the order. So. Um, when the order is made public, and uh, I haven't seen it yet in Peel, although uh, we've heard what it contains, if it's been published, it will indicate the nature of the order, and the, the medical officers of health believe uh, belief that it meets the rules under the uh, under the legislation. But attached to that order, Richard, there does not have to be any data presented. There does not have to be any uh, justification aside from the belief that they meet the criteria uh, under the provincial law. Uh, to make that order. Obviously, neither of us are virologists, but both of us, uh, you know, we follow this quite closely. I have not seen any data coming from anywhere around the world, in fact, that suggests that schools are somehow hot zones for the spread of this pandemic. Well, particularly in Ontario, the provincial government has set very strict uh, hygiene, social distancing, masking guidelines to ensure the safety of children uh, and, and education workers. And the province has deemed it safe for children to go to school and for education workers to be in those to be in those schools. And we know that there are health impacts with having children dealing with remote learning. There are um, there are societal impacts. You know, we have medical officers of health today in in Brampton closing schools, Wellington closing schools, tomorrow in Toronto, and they've given parents less than 24 hours notice. Not everyone can work from home on Zoom and supervise their children. Um, lots of persons have to go out into the community and work. And now they're going to have to take unpaid days off because local medical officers of health, without presenting any public data about the safety of schools or alleged lack thereof, that, um, you know, that the schools have to be closed on that basis. The fact that they're not presenting evidence and data attached to these orders is, is really problematic and it really undermines uh, you know, the notion that these, that these are necessary. Ryan, very quickly, uh, what would you like to see done to curtail the power of these unelected, unaccountable public health officials? There's three uh, very reasonable legislative amendments that I would propose. Number one, that such an order expire automatically after 14 days, subject to renewal. Uh, Medical officers of health should have to report to their local councils every 30 days when they issue these types of orders, particularly when they affect the economy and schools in order to justify it. And local councils should be able to overturn the decision of a local medical officer of health to either close uh, businesses broadly or to close schools. Those are very simple, reasonable amendments to provincial law that can be made you know, by the legislature that would uh, create more democratic ability, reduce their powers, and give more power back where it belongs to local councils to, uh, uh, to address these issues and be able to overturn it where 
the um, uh, the order is excessive, and in this case, I believe it is. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Great to be with you today, Richard. Fact check this is next. Stay tuned. More of the Richard Serrett Show in three minutes. The Bull Session continues on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Hey, Richard Serrett here, and I'm here with Dr. Cass Ingram, the author of 30 books on natural healing. Cass, you and I have known each other for more than 25 years. I think of you as Dr. Oregano, and I know you're wild about wild oregano and the oregano P73 juice, but it's different than the oregano oil. How? Hey, when I was in the mountains, the village chief said, look, we don't use oregano oil. We use the juice, and he pulls out these pop bottles he made in his backyard, and they're using it for heart disease, cancer, and bronchitis as well as diabetes and he's claiming it works well for 20 years i've been using it it does the job thanks cass oregano p73 juice from north american urban spice available at health food stores across the gta you can order online at oregano.com that's o-r-e-g-a-n-o-l 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 oregano juice from oregano.com All right, welcome back. Yesterday, yesterday we played uh, or we um, we interviewed. I interviewed Dr. Patrick Phillips. is He's a small town family physician, lover of freedom, very active on social media, part of the Ontario uh, Concerned Doctors Group, and um, he came on in and he was talking about adverse reactions to uh, vaccines. I want to replay that a little bit of that interview for you now. And then uh, off the back of that, uh, I have some interesting, uh, an interesting social media post that I want to share with you in reaction to Dr. Phillips comments. So here's Dr. Patrick Phillips. I wanted to ask you, you were on Twitter uh, posting about uh, some, some vaccine uh, adverse reactions, some of which I, I think you've witnessed firsthand in the ER, correct? Yeah, absolutely. What have you seen? Yeah, so I have to be careful because I, I do live in a small town, right? So uh, I have to be careful not to identify people, but I can definitely tell you that within hours to weeks after the vaccine, I, I have seen uh, the elderly people uh, with uh, sepsis-like syndromes, but much more severe. So it seems to be something like a cytokine storm that happened within a couple weeks after the vaccine, um, where this one woman died, she was 85 years old, um, uh, which was uh, quite a problem. I couldn't find any other source of any kind of infection, and it just seemed to happen right after, uh, soon after the vaccine. Even within hours of vaccines, I've seen uh, quite serious reactions, people being admitted to the hospital, um, uh, stroke-like symptoms, uh, arm numbness, Um, Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. 
tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Uh, and delirium. Uh, I've also seen uh, new people with new onset palpitations, so like a, uh, cardiac arrhythmias. Um, I can't say what, what, the, what the rate of these are. Um, like I also, I mean, with the exception of the ones that course, um, it's hard to 100% nail it down to the vaccine, right? But that's why uh, all doctors have ethical uh, and professional obligation to, to report all of these because we need to track them and to, to sort out, are these, are these levels uh, higher than, uh, than other years without this vaccine, right? Or to be able to link them down. But uh, I do find it quite concerning. Uh, people aren't being warned about these kinds of side effects. Uh, but more so, I think what's more concerning is actually the reports that are coming in. So we have statistical data, right, that are coming in both through the UK and the United States in the, in the vaccine adverse uh, report adverse event reporting system they have in the states yes they're uh they're published right away right so they can't be censored whereas in canada um we report them to the government and nobody can see them right except the government officials so uh that's a bit of a concern here here in canada um because it's not really a transparent system so um uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm quite concerned. I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of side effects, and people aren't aware of them. And I, I think, as part of free and informed consent, especially on a, a vaccine that has not finished phase three trials, um, people have the right to know of possible side effects, even if they're just possible. Right? Uh, right? If you know that it's possible to get very sick afterwards, so you just you need to be informed that before you actually get the vaccine. Informed consent is so important. Uh, yeah. Now, let me just ask you: You mentioned a cytokine storm. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so a cytokine storm uh, is basically what happens when your immune system goes into overload. It goes into kind of an overreaction. It can happen from a few things. It's known to happen in COVID, um, often in the second stage of the disease when people have the severe disease. Uh, it's, and that's usually what ends up um, ending people's lives. Uh, it's not so much the virus itself, but the immune reaction to it where it just starts... Uh, an, an extreme uh, inflammatory response where uh, it starts attacking the heart, the brain, the, the kidneys, um, and uh, and often will re- result in death in those cases. Um, um, so, I mean, it, that's it's very rare um, to, to see something like that. Most often we see that in something called sepsis as well, um, which is a bacterial infection in the blood. Um, um, but a cytokine storm in general is, is the most severe form of that where uh, every organ uh, system is being attacked. Um, so, uh, and again, every, all of this needs to be taken with a grain of salt, and which is why we call these adverse effects after immunization, because we can't know 100% if they're right. caused by it. All right. That was uh, yesterday. Dr. Patrick Phillips on the program. He joins us every Monday. And uh, he's been uh, tweeting about this as well, just what he's seen in his rounds at the hospital. And um, in reaction to that, um, because he wrote, this correlates with what I'm seeing in the ER and ICU, stroke-like arm numbness, cytokine storms with multi-system organ failures and new cardiac arrhythmias. I've seen these with, within hours to weeks after the injections. This is in the elderly who were excluded from the safety trials. 
again, he's just saying, this is what I saw. I'm not saying that there is a causation, but there may be a correlation. People need to know this. In reaction to this, another physician on social media, who I will not identify, writes, I cannot understand for the life of me why the College of Physicians and Surgeons is not playing a role in the vaccine effort by, get this, scanning social media to ensure those who deliberately promote anti-vax sentiment with misinformation. How chilling is that? He's basically saying the College of Physicians and Surgeons should be scanning social media, finding out, uh, outing people like uh, Dr. Phillips for what they're saying, because it doesn't jive with their official narrative. That's chilling. And that is odious. And uh, in response on Twitter, Dr. Phillips responded, patients have the right to know about adverse effects to any medical intervention. It's called free and informed consent. Hiding this information from the public is a form of medical coercion. Also, he writes, integrity and honesty are much more important to me than a medical license. Amen, Dr. Patrick Phillips. Uh, and uh, this other gentleman who's uh, on Twitter suggesting that the College of Physicians and Surgeons should, um, you know, go after people like you. Uh, that's just odious and chilling. And there's no place for that in a free uh, civil society. All right. Back with fact check this on the other side. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. How do we determine what is true, what is false, and what is misleading? Fact check this. All right. Uh, on April Fool's, April 1st, I, um, I mentioned that uh, you, you almost couldn't tell that it was not an April Fool's joke. But Les Holt, Lester Holt, who is the... Um, NBC News anchor was accepting an Edward R. Murrow Award for journalism. And in his acceptance speech, he said, I think it's become clear that fairness is overrated. Now, this is a journalist talking about fairness as in balance, as in showing both sides, telling both sides of the story. Can you imagine a journalist saying fairness is overrated? Again, that was not an April Fool's joke. He actually said that. Well, Britt Hume who is a very seasoned journalist, 23 years with uh, ABC News, uh, 12 years as Washington's managing editor with Fox News and a senior political analyst for Fox, uh, delivered kind of a journalism 101 course or lesson to uh, Lester Holt. And uh, basically what Hume did, he responded on Twitter. He said, this argument from uh, Lester Holt, that journalism is overrated, this argument rests on the proposition that the media always knows the truth, he said, but they don't, as, his own, as is his own network's coverage of the bogus and implausible Russia collusion tale illustrates, not to mention the media's reporting of early COVID-19 advice that turned out to be wrong. Holt's attitude perhaps is reflected in a recent Gallup poll that shows only 9% of Americans have a great deal of trust in the media, 9%. And I, I don't think that's too far off the mark here in Canada either. 9% of Americans have a great deal of trust in the media and 60% have no trust or not very much. Uh, Hume went on to say, the idea that we should always give two sides equal weight and merit does not reflect the world we, we find ourselves in. I'm sorry, this was a Holt that said that. The idea we should always give two sides equal weight and merit does not reflect the world we find ourselves in. That the sun sets in the West is a fact. Any contrary view does not deserve our time or attention, he said. Decisions to not give unsupported arguments equal time are not a dereliction of journalistic responsibility or some kind of agenda. In fact, it's just the opposite. Now, 
Brit Hume acknowledged that if one side says the White House is made of powdered milk and the other disagrees, we can safely ignore the milk claim. But as he points out, political disputes are rarely so cut and dried. So we report what both sides are saying and let viewers and readers make up their own minds. And then, of course, CNN recently exacerbated this whole mistrust in the media this week with a network writer declaring, quote, it's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth. And there is no consensus criteria for assigning sex at birth. And that statement drew, as you can well imagine, widespread criticism. And, uh, you know, since doctors have been announcing the sex of newborns in delivery rooms long before the, uh, the concept of gender identity became a thing. And of course, to this day, they still do. And Holt also uh, went after people who want the media to be an open platform, pointing out the problem of misinformation, allowing anyone to come say what they want, especially when issues of public health and safety are at stake can be quite dangerous, he said. Uh, He was uh, supported on Twitter by Jay Rosen, a journalism professor at New York University, who said Holt's perspective was cause for celebration. Uh, However, as I say, Brit Hume has pointed out that uh, when it comes to matters of politics and and the like, that uh, the arguments are far more sort of sophisticated and and not as cut and dried. Uh, And so it is beholden upon journalists to present both sides. And I think it's very disturbing for uh, someone of Leslie Holt's stature, Lester Holt's stature, to to say that uh, fairness is overrated. Coming from a journalist, no less. Shameful. All right. Uh, our homeschooling expert awaits. Ruth Gaskowski will be here as she uh, joins us every Tuesday at this time. So stay tuned for that and much more to come. The Richard Serrett Show continues. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. Ruth Gaskowski is a homeschooling parent and she joins us every Tuesday at this time to offer some homeschooling tips for uh, parents considering going that route. Hey, Ruth, how are you? Very good, Richard. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right. So uh, I want to pick up on some things that we started to talk about last week. And one of those were the the specific benefits of learning uh, that happens away from the screen. And obviously, there's a lot of that going on now with uh, remote learning people. It's almost exclusively for some uh, learning on the screen. But for those who choose to homeschool and uh, they're not going to be on in front of a screen, what are some of the, uh, the benefits of that? Right. And as you said, I thought it might be interesting to talk about, especially as a lot of parents do have to depend on screens. And so this will be not just for those considering homeschooling, but also those who school right now and can maybe consider ways of trying to um, make some changes in in the additional screen time at home. So um, during the early childhood and elementary school years, children really do learn best when they're engaged in the real world. And that means not mediated by a screen. So they need interaction with people that are next to them, that are actively engaging them, listening and responding to them. And that helps them in their language development and also in their social and emotional development. And I think, as many know, also it's essential for the development of empathy, something that uh, often uh, screens actually interfere with, because uh, often when we interact on screens, children show a lack of empathy in the way they interact with each other. 
for cognitive development, it's also important that they can actually explore concepts in three dimensions. That means they can see them and touch them and not just see them two-dimensionally on the screen. And that helps them to actually form deeper, more meaningful connections in their learning. And um, what was interesting is actually I found in a study that simply by being away from the screen, and that means not more than one or two hours of screen time per day, engaging in at least an hour of physical activity and sleeping well, those things alone actually help children perform better in thinking, language, and memory tests. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, uh, is there a difference? Because now um, a lot of reading, you know, they don't have textbooks anymore. A lot of the reading is done on screen, the majority of it. Is there a difference when children learn to read on their device versus reading from an actual tactile book? Yeah, that's a good question. So one would expect that it might be the same because after all, we're just using our eyes, whether we look on a page or whether we look on a screen. But uh, reading is actually multisensory. So even though we use our sight, we also need the act of touch. A physical page makes the material more absorbable because it gives us a sense uh, of not just looking at it, but also where the information is on the page. Um, is it at the bottom right or the left at the beginning book of the book or at the end of the book? Whereas the screen doesn't give us that feeling at all. It often leaves us a bit lost or disoriented. Uh, there's a difference between a screen and a page also in the degree of attention and the depth of immersion we have in the text. Because our brain associates the screen with cursive reading and kind of scanning. And that does not help us in uh, or it doesn't help children in particular in the development of reading that is needed for longer, more complex texts. So it gives them actually shallower comprehension. And research has actually seen that uh, the neurological connections that are needed for deeper reading, that means longer texts like actual books, uh, those aren't formed by those who learn primarily via shallow reading on the screen. And... Um, and we all know kind of digital devices are really just made to be distracting. That's kind of <laughs> their major setup. And so when a beginning reader is interacting with a device in order to learn to read, they not only focus their energy on reading, but also focus their energy to try and not attend to other things uh, on the device that they might usually be doing if they play games on the device or in a chat with their friends on the device, the brain kind of registers that and it, it draws attention away from the actual task of reading. Um, so in one study they found, this was with somewhat older students, but 90% of students felt that they would be more likely to engage in multitasking while reading on a screen versus only 1% if you're actually holding a book in your hand. Because you oh, might that's check- interesting notifications or did somebody say something or I might like to look at that page. And that's what we kind of, that's a type of hyper attention. It's kind of a fractured attention where we quickly zip from one point to focus on the next. And that's really, I, I love to tell my kids, it's kind of like what you want to develop is deep attention. And I compare that to a dolphin and I compare hyper attention to a piranha. <laughs> and when we're trying to put both of those in a tank together, we say, well, look, we can use technology and we can learn deeply. But it's kind of like throwing the dolphin into a tank with the piranhas and expecting them to coexist happily. That's and we know that analogy. might not quite happen. Yeah, That's a great analogy. So homeschooling can help train your child's attention. 
Fascinating. Always uh, amazing information that you bring, Ruth. And uh, people can find more resources at your website. That's humanitasfamily.net. H-U-M-A-N, as in human. Humanitas, H-U-M-A-N-I-T-A-S, family.net. Humanitasfamily.net. And um, we'll talk again next week. Looking forward to it, Richard. Thank you. My pleasure. Ruth Gaskowski, homeschooling, and she joins us every Tuesday at this time. All right. Hour two awaits uh, more of the irascible but lovable Lou Skeezus. And uh, also we'll speak with, well, he's a hero to some, a villain to others. He's an anti-lockdown uh, protester, activist, uh, Chris Skye, who has gained a lot of notoriety, certainly on social media. He'll be with us in our featured uh, guest spot. And uh, some more interesting uh, little tids- tidbits during our fact check this segment. All right. Hour two awaits just about three minutes away. Stay with us. CanadaCanada.com. Ontario's COVID-19 vaccine plan is helping to stop the spread and save lives. Until we're all vaccinated, we need to stay the course. Wear a mask, wash your hands, keep your distance. We've come so far together and thousands of people across Ontario are getting vaccinated every day. Your turn is coming soon. Visit Ontario.ca slash COVID vaccine plan or call 1-888-999-6488 for assistance in 300 languages. Paid for by the Government of Ontario. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Hey, Richard! Hello, yes. Can I help you? Richard! The Richard Serrett Show continues on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. You see the wisdom of Lou Skeezus. He says, never let the meat puppets around the buttons. And that's what we, I guess that's what happened. Well, from one meat puppet to another, how are you, Lou? We're hey, back. fantastic, Richard. You know, I mean, these things are not uh, uncommon in the world of live radio, live television. I remember once I was in the studio and they were mucking about with the audio. This was in TV. And when they came to me with the camera, I just started moving my lips without making a sound just to add just a little bit more gasoline to the fire. They didn't appreciate it. <laughs> You're doing a little the, pantomime. I was I was just working the audio tech's nerves. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know, can you really tell the difference anymore? Although my good friend, Andrew Stokely, who is an audio expert, his thing was nobody cares about audio, you know, uh, until you can't hear it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, Lou, I got to ask you about this yeah. because, uh, you know, obviously uh, trying to walk Iran off the uh, the nuclear edge is a good thing. And they're trying to restart these uh, indirect talks in Vienna aimed at bringing both the U.S. and Iran back into full compliance with the, uh, the nuclear deal. However, um, the idea of Iranian oil returning to the market as a consequence could uh, cause a bit of an adjustment for the global oil market. So this could be the downside of peace with Iran. Well, there will be a consequence of an ocean of oil hitting the markets. There's no two ways about it. But, you know, the question becomes, do they have a right to be in the market? I would say that they do. Right. They're a producer. Now, are they my favorite, uh, you know, uh, terrorist state? Not really, 
But, you know, maybe maybe they can come to bear and realize their you know status in the global community is affected by their behavior and what they're funding. Right. So, yes, there'll be a consequence. You can't dump an ocean of oil onto any market and expect it to uh, not have a consequence. Now, they are not the lever. Okay, the swing in oil production is Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia could pull back their production to accommodate the Iranian uh, production. However, they uh, have a great religious abyss between them and they've been in conflict for many years. So I'm not anticipating that happening. And the rest of the producers just want to make some do re mi before they legislate it out of business like here in Canada. So oil is uh, hovering around what sixty dollars a barrel U.S. Yeah, yeah and so add a million, a million barrels a day if Iran comes back online. Right, and, and that would be a good six to nine months away. Right, it wouldn't happen overnight. True, true. All right, right. so it's in the future, and you'll if you notice the futures market as you go forward, uh, you know you may see some indication that we're about to hit that wall, but we're not there yet. All right. Got to ask you about the Major League Baseball decision to yank the uh, All-Star game from Atlanta because of uh, the uh, Georgia state's new uh, voter integrity laws, which uh, President Biden has characterized as Jim Crow Uh, 2.0. And they've awarded the All-Star game to Denver, all in the name of social justice, except that Atlanta is the majority are black, 30 percent black owned businesses. It's going to cost the, the businesses in Atlanta about 150 million. So they move them to Denver, which is predominantly white, and they have many of the same voter integrity laws in place there. So what's the point? Well, I think it's just theater, right? It's the theater of the absurd that we're living through. So it's like, I don't know if you followed the uh, storyline in the last couple of days. Now everybody wants to get on the bandwagon uh, to boycott the Olympics in Beijing in 2022. And so I look at it and say, well, why allow, why make the athletes carry all the water? If you're really serious about, you know, what you believe to be uh, a problem between in China with the Uyghurs and so on and so on, cut your economic ties, no more imports, no more exports. And let's see what happens with that. But, you know, looking at a bunch of athletes, amateur athletes at that and saying, yeah, you know, this thing you've been working for, we're going to use you like a political football. So it's the same thing. Major League Baseball is now you know, in the theater of the absurd, they think that this is the right move in the woke movement or whatever you call it, notwithstanding the fact that the commissioner of Major League Baseball is going to be at Augusta at the Masters, which, you know, if that doesn't say segregated community, I don't know what does. There you go. The hypocrisy is just uh, rampant. It's just theater of the absurd. Just be prepared for more nonsense. Lou, do you have a quick tip for us uh, in our continuing series of top 10 things to avoid uh, getting flagged for an audit? Well, you know, these things may be difficult to avoid, uh, but one of the things that will set off an audit or could are real estate transactions. So, you know, people that are involved in real estate, you have a home, I have a home, we're all essentially in the uh, real estate game. So, um you're entitled to a principal resident exemption up till I think it was around three years ago, 
Richard, uh, you didn't have to declare your uh, with Saga nine in a transaction. So uh, a lot of people, not a lot, some people were doing deal after deal after deal, buying, selling, buying, selling, buying, right. selling. Flipping, flipping, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they were, you know, they didn't have to declare if it was their principal residence. They just assumed that it was and pocketed the difference, right? So those are some of the things you got to watch out for. New home construction, yes, let's whip the uh Let's whip the developer for having the termidity of going out and providing housing for human habitation of the planet. And then uh, another thing are pre-sale condo flips. So you go into a pre-sale condo, you put down your uh, deposit of 5%, and then before the thing is delivered to you, you sell it. That'll get them looking around to see what's going on. All right. just They'll be going through your soup. (laughs) Your soup. Just a quick market update, if you could, Lou. Yeah, taking a look at market activity today, we got a late afternoon rally on the TSX. So we ended up in positive territory, which, you know, up till about five minutes before the close, we were in negative territory. TSX up 77 points today. The S&P 500 down four. The Dow down uh, 97. The NASDAQ down seven. The Canadian dollar down uh, 36 one hundredths of a cent today. Uh, sorry, 28 uh, one hundredths of a cent, 79.55 US cents. Oil up 61 cents, 59.26 US per barrel. And gold today gained $15.80, $1,744.60 US per ounce. Back tomorrow. Happy capitalism. All right, Lou. See you then. See you on the radio, my friend. All right. Fact check this when we come back. Trees are racist and hundreds of male prisoners are demanding a transfer to women's prisons in California. Stay with us. Continuing with the conversation. This is the Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. Let me ask you, what are the decisions you made in childhood have to do with your relationships? The answer is everything in her new book. The Relationship Code, Heal Your Wounded Heart. Registered psychotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist, and relationship coach, Debbie Papadakis, reveals how to transform any relationship and toxic relationships, enter a new life of healthy relationships, and learn to start loving yourself. The Relationship Code, Heal Your Wounded Heart, is available at relationshipcode.com, relationshipcode.com, and the Kindle version at Amazon. Start your healing journey today with the Relationship Code. How do we determine what is true, what is false, and what is misleading? Fact check this. All right. Trees are now racist. All right. Are we all clear on that? Trees are racist. There's a high school in Portland, Oregon, where else, that has delayed the confirmation of its new team name because it's worried Trees might be racist. The Portland High School or the sorry, the Portland School Board was concerned, very concerned that Ida B. Wells High School would associate itself with racism if it changed its mascot to the Evergreens. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The Evergreens. Now, can you imagine how actually racist you are if you see the world so exclusively through skin tone that you look at a tree? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. And think of racism. All right. Another board member had to uh, mansplain uh, that evergreens were not typically. Well, here's the thing. Uh, let me just back up. I got ahead of myself. The, uh, the idea is the school is concerned that people will connect the tree, the symbol of a simple, beautiful tree to lynching, of course, which is a uh, a, a horrible stain on the history of the United States that took place during the uh, the Jim Crow era, j- during the Jim Crow era, the, the civil rights era, before, after the Civil War. It was a horrible, horrible uh, stain on American history. There's no question. Uh, but the idea that all trees are somehow <laughs> implicated in, in uh, lynchings and that you can no longer use it as a symbol is, uh, you know, it's just beyond the pale. So the idea here is though that that evergreens were not typically used uh, in lynchings. That's my understanding. I mean, it makes sense, right? The uh, the bough of an evergreen tree is not typically one that we think of when we think of that horrible, unspeakable act of a lynching. So there you have it, this uh, high school in uh, Portland, Oregon, and they are no longer, uh, well, they're, they're thinking about uh, denying the high school's right to use the evergreen tree as their, uh, their, lo- their uh, logo, I guess. All right. Now, this one is uh, rather disturbing as well. So since January, 261 California prison inmates have requested transfers to prisons aligning with their gender identity. The California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation told 
the Daily Caller News Foundation on Tuesday. Uh, Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom signed SB 132 into law in January, a bill that requires the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation to ask every individual entering the department's custody to specify their pronouns, their gender, uh, their gender identity, and whether they identify as transgender, non-binary, or intersex. The law prevents uh, the corrections facilities from disciplining the individual if that individual refuses to give this information, allows for the information to be updated later on. That's key. So if they, if they decide later on that they no longer identify as a male and they want to be transferred to a, male, a female prison, they can. It requires staff to use the gender pronoun that the individual requested. These are prisoners, keep in mind, criminals. It also requires the CDCR house the individual in a correctional facility designed for men or women based on the individual's preference. Now, since the bill went into effect in January, 261 inmates, 261, have requested gender-based housing transfers. The vast majority of these requests were from inmates requesting to be transferred to female facilities, and only six inmates did not request to be in a women's facility. So there you go. Can you imagine you're a... um, a female prisoner, maybe serving time for a nonviolent crime, tax evasion, who knows? And all of a sudden, you're, uh, you're in a cell with a, someone who looks all the world as to be a man, a biological male, but he says he identifies as a female, and now he's your cellmate. Does that seem right to you? Well, this is what happens when uh, the woke crowd basically paint themselves into a corner and uh, they have to go the whole the whole nine yards, the whole enchilada. And here we have it, 261 mostly male prisoners identifying as female, demanding to be transferred to a female prison. Good Lord. All right. When we come back, he's uh, notorious to some, a villain to some, a hero to others. Chris Skye, anti-lockdown activist, will join us. Stay with us. This is New Sox Saga 960 AM, and this is The Richard Serrett Show. Hey, welcome back. Well, he's a villain to some, a hero to others. You may have seen him on Rebel News. You've probably seen him on uh, Instagram and various other social media platforms. Uh, And uh, also on, did I mention InfoWars with Alex Jones? He's everywhere, this guy. And um, he is a, uh, an anti-lockdown uh, advocate and protester, activist, and a uh, pleasure to have Chris Sky on the program. Hey, Chris, how are you? Hello. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm good. You Is it audio only? It is audio only, yes. Okay, no problem. Just uh, making sure. <laughs> so let me ask you, who was Chris Sky before COVID-19? Uh, I worked in the residential uh, low-rise develop design and build industry. So uh, I was in development of subdivisions of single-family dwellings, townhouses, semis, small singles, and even some custom homes. So I've been doing that for a couple decades. So I've been dealing with the government since I was around 19 years old. So I know exactly how the government is. I know that they always make the rules in their own favor. And the only two languages that they understand are leverage and force. And they will employ both upon you to the extent that you allow. And that's why we're seeing Toronto in a third lockdown where they're telling us that we can't even have a salon open with two or three customers. Meanwhile, the Toronto Blue Jays were just playing a game in Texas with 40,000 people in the stand. Right, right. 
somehow Texas can have 40,000 people in close proximity with no issues. But in Canada, we need to be locked down. They're talking about putting checkpoints, not only between the provinces, checkpoints between the regions within the provinces, you know, for our own safety. Putting people like me on the no-fly list for our own safety. Having 40 police show up at my house at 1 o'clock in the morning. And yeah, I do want to ask you about that in, in a moment. I, just want people to get a sense of, you know, how you arrived at where you are now, this social media um, influencer. And and so you were in the development industry. So then at what point did you decide that uh, you were going to sort of be front and center in this anti-lockdown movement? Right off the bat, because I was in Europe when the lockdowns happened in Italy. I was in Venice right when they declared it the epicenter of the virus. I saw everything starting to unfold. I I left Italy maybe three days before they actually locked down the whole country. So I knew they were going to do the lockdown first European-wide and then Canada-wide. So I was prepared when I got home on March 2nd. I was telling everybody we were going to be locked down. And I know that in Canada, they want to lock us down because they want to get control. How do you get control? First, you have to ruin people financially, and you have to remove their rights and freedoms. Then you have complete control over them. So what have they done? They've used the pandemic the guise of uh, your safety to put all these restrictions and each restriction removes another one of your fundamental rights or freedom. And they tell you it's for your safety and they tell you it's temporary. Then they extend the length and the duration of it. So it's not temporary. It lasts years and years and years. And they, after you comply with that restriction, they add a new restriction and take even more of your rights and freedom. Then they tell you, you got to close your business for your safety. No, you need to open your business because our economy needs GDP and people need to be able to feed their families. But they don't want you to be able to feed your families without their ability to control that. So they don't like that you have an independent business and all the employees that work for you are independent because then the government actually works for you. The government wants to put you out of business so they can put you on CERB because then they control you. They can say, hey, you're going to take a vaccine and we're not going to give you your paycheck. And they have complete control over you. They control the amount of income they get. They control the stipulations that allow you to get your income. Hell, they'll even be able to tell you how you're allowed to spend that income. And that's a government's wet dream, getting a population where they can eliminate all the rights and freedoms that we had millions of people fight and die for that we're giving up for free because they're telling us to do it. Otherwise, we're not good citizens. And then we have our, our independence being handed over on a silver platter because people are too afraid to go and open their businesses. All right, it's Chris, I got to take a time out here. We'll come back and uh, talk some more. Chris Skye, anti-lockdown protester and activist, social media influencer and a hero to some, villain to others. And we'll uh, discuss further. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Chris Skye is with us, creator of the nonprofit organization BackToWork.BZ, BackToWork.BZ, and MAD, Mothers Against Distancing, and uh, GetMad.Online, GetMad.Online. Chris, I first became uh, familiar with you on, uh, I guess, Instagram, and you were walking through the airport after uh, coming uh, after arriving home and uh, basically refusing uh, to, uh, to quarantine in the, the mandatory uh, hotel quarantines, you just basically waltzed straight through, said, I'm not going to uh, to do that. I'm not going to subject myself to a, a test. And there's a really big reason for that, too. And there was a good reason for the timing. The entire purpose of everything going on is not about your safety and health. Let's get everyone. Every, let's get that through everybody's head. 
and we need to say it, change their perception because that's what keeps them afraid and that's what keeps them compliant, thinking that it's for their safety, thinking everything's for their own good. No, it's all about control. And I'm going to prove that to you right now because if you look at the restrictions that they're putting on us and you look at the, if it makes you safer or not, the answer is no. Then if you look at the same restriction and see if it's all about control, it makes perfect sense. And the mandatory testing and quarantine is a perfect example of that. The reason they want to do the mandatory hotel quarantine, can you really believe that you're safer and have less chance of catching COVID, taking a test at the airport, getting on a bus full of potentially sick people from the airport, going to a government facility full of potentially sick people from the airport, waiting for your test result, and then going home to ultimately quarantine at home alone versus simply going home from the airport alone to your own house by yourself not getting on a bus full of potentially sick people and not going to another facility full of potentially sick people. Obviously you're safer by yourself going home. But now if you look at it through a lens of control and trying to traumatize the traveler and trying to deter other travelers from going, the, the paying for your own internment camp makes perfect sense because it's all about control. So once again, this is not about your safety, it's about control. And why do they want to control you? And why do they want to deter travel? The end game, this whole purpose of this pandemic is the vaccine passport. That is their end game. That is their way to get rid of your last fundamental freedom, which is your bodily autonomy. If they can tell you that they can forcibly inject you with whatever they want as a pretense to be able then they gotcha. Because once they do it as a pretense of travel, it's not going to end there. All of a sudden, it's going to become... Oh my God, it made travel so much safer that we're going to expand the vaccine program or vaccine passport program to employment so we can make our, our workplaces safer. Then they're going to expand it to the gym so we can make our gym so-called safer. Then you're not going to be able to go to a concert or do anything unless you have this vaccine passport. And it's going to expire every few months. So they're going to tell you you need to get a COVID shot every few months to stay so-called up to date on your shots or you're not going to live your life. So that's why they're doing all these restrictions. And that's why they're doing it step by step. Because when you comply with the masks, they bring you to contact tracing. When you comply with contact tracing, they bring you to forcible uh, forced testing. Forced testing turns into forced confinement. Forced confinement turns into coerced vaccination. Coerced vaccination turns into mandatory vaccination and a vaccine passport. So when they try to tell you people like me that aren't complying or what's prolonging this, it's the exact opposite, because the only way they can get to their end game, the vaccine passport, is if they can get compliant Canadians to comply with every step leading up to that. And the minute the Canadians realize what's going on and simply say, we will not comply, then they lose. And that's why I created the hashtag just say no. And it's went global. And we make videos, we make posts that say hashtag just say no to the covid vaccine because if they can't get enough people to take that vaccine through coercion manipulation or otherwise they cannot put the vaccine passport into reality and for people that think the vaccine passport is a conspiracy theory first of all it was announced way back in 2018 pre-pandemic in official european union documents that stated they want to have it implemented by 2021 using a pandemic as a pretense People call me a conspiracy theorist all the way up until this year. In April 2nd, the vaccine passport became law in New York State. So the conspiracy theory is now a law in New York State. Florida and Texas had to draft executive orders to block the vaccine passport because they know how dangerous it is to society. Canadians don't even believe this thing exists. And it's about a few weeks away from being shoved down our throats. So Canadians, you got to wake up. 
You got to open your businesses. When we go to the protests, it's not about speaking and marching anymore. Now it's about organizing and taking action. You need to split up into the groups, groups of business owners that can, uh, that can organize and open the same day. If a hundred businesses open the same day, there's nothing the government can do. Groups of concerned parents that can go to the individual school board regions and demand an end to the mass, the forced testing and no diet, no way for the forced inoculations that they're going to try to impose. Then you got to get groups of concerned employees, go to your union, get rid of the forced vaccination. If you under, if you know the government just changed legislation that just got changed this month and so far for the next three four months that employers can now fire you if you refuse the vaccine that's how desperate they are to force it on society they're telling you it's not mandatory but they made a law that allows your employer to say you have no choice but to take it or we'll fire you so this is the government using your employer to mandate the vaccine so they can have plausible deniability. Chris, I got to jump in here. I've got to take another time out. We'll come back and pick up on this. Chris Sky, anti-lockdown activist, stays with us. More of The Richard Serrett Show. Don't go away. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. And we are back with Chris Sky, anti-lockdown activist, creator of the nonprofit organization Back to Work, backtowork.bz. And mad mothers against dis- uh, distancing. Get mad dot online. Chris, you're a, uh, hard to miss you in a crowd. You you're uh, you, you look like a bodybuilder. You're you're heavily tattooed. So when you walk around in public, what kind of reaction are you getting? People obviously recognizing you from social media and and uh, and elsewhere. What uh, do they do they like what you're doing? Is it fifty fifty split? How how does it go? The vast, vast, vast majority appreciate and approve of what I'm doing because they understand that I'm not just standing up for myself. I'm standing up for the entire country. I'm standing up even for the people that don't support me just because they're not smart enough to understand what's going on. And they appreciate that because not many people have the guts to do what I'm doing. Not many people have the knowledge to do what I'm doing. And not only am I standing up and standing up for others, I'm teaching people. I'm empowering people. I'm letting people know their rights. And then I also demonstrate how to assert their rights. And then they realize the only consequences for their actions of asserting their rights are retaining their freedoms. So, so how give can you a, not respect how Give me an example. That? Right. You, you were at the airport and you were assisting people that were returning to Canada that would have been yeah. quarantined. What, uh, give me a, an example of what you did for someone at the airport. Well, every single, I, my number's public. I have my cell phone number public. So I get dozens and dozens of calls every day, 24 hours a day. If my phone rings at 4.30 in the morning, usually I'm awake anyway, I'll answer because I know it's going to be someone at the airport or land border getting harassed as they try to decline the quarantine and testing because they try to coerce you. And so many times people call me from the border. I just reiterate, tell them what to say, how it's a violation of Section 6 of their charter rights, a violation of 14.1 of the Quarantine Act, and to reiterate that if they don't let them go right then, they can call the police on them and the police will let them go. And that we have 100% success rate. So many people have been declining the test that some airports, I heard in Alberta airport, they're actually giving people a choice now and not even finding them. And in Toronto airport, they actually ran out of tickets. So they're just telling people that they're going to send them in the mail. So I know I'm having an impact. I know I'm helping people. And the response that I'm getting is overwhelming. I have little people showing up at my house every day to bring me gifts. So for everybody that everybody that says a negative comment about me, I got about 100 people giving me a positive comment because everybody knows what's going on. Once again, everybody knows this is not about your safety. Everybody knows the government is trying to take your rights. The government is trying to take your financial independence so they can have control over you. And then they want to cement that control with the vaccine passport. Because once they have you, 
in a situation where they can force you to take a vaccine as a pretense to go to work, to travel, to do whatever you want to do. They literally own you inside and out. And that's what they want. They want complete control over you and you're giving it to them. And that's the, and that's what I want every Canadian to know. Everything that's happening right now is your own fault. Cause when they do something, what do you do? You complain about it, but then you go along with it because you're a coward. You don't stand up for yourself. You don't open your business. You don't take your kids out of school or put the mask off your kids. Hell, you won't even go into a shopper's drug mart without a mask on because you don't want confrontation. Well, guess what? You're getting confrontation whether you like it or not. And if you sit there and do nothing, you're going to be screwed. It's that simple. And if you doubt what I'm saying and you think I'm crazy, well, why do you think the government sent 40 police officers and 20 cruisers to my house just about 10 days ago at one o'clock in the morning with no warrant to be there and no warrant to arrest me, blocked off both sides of the streets, including a four-way major intersection, and literally physically tried to kidnap me? Okay, I want to ask you about because because what preceded that apparently you were at I believe you were at a Longos. Correct me if I'm wrong. And no, that was at a Longos six days before that. Uh, it had nothing to do with the Longos. They want people to think it had something to do with a mask so they can scare other people into not wearing a mask. I don't wear a mask anywhere I go. I haven't worn a mask since the start of the pandemic. The only exception being on March 20th, 2020, before mandates and exemptions came into play, and I was at a back to work event that I created at a tattoo shop that was defying lockdown, and I got my neck tattoo which is archangel michael by the way everybody's asking and when you're laying down and have another man's face inches from yours and you're worried that bylaw might come in and find the tattoo shop and the whole point of the event is making the guy money i wore a mask to protect him at that time other than that i've been on four continents mask free even in the planes i have a medical exemption note so i don't wear masks so it had nothing to do with a mask they did not come to my house at one o'clock in the morning with 40 police officers and try to illegally drag me out of my car and arrest me because I didn't wear a mask in Longos. They did it because they don't like what I'm saying. And if you want it, and if you don't believe it, uh, I went to the airport just the other day to try to fly to Calgary because I was booked to speak in Calgary and Edmonton at back-to-back rallies. And guess what? I got put on the international no-fly list. Omar Kadir, an actual terrorist who went to get terrorist training, actually murdered people and actually injured servicemen, came back to Canada, got paid $10 million, and he's not on the no-fly list. But me, that's never, that has no criminal record, doesn't have any criminal charges, has never done anything wrong, has now had the, uh, dozens of police try to kidnap me from my home in the middle of the night without a warrant, and then now I'm banned from flying internationally or domestically within Canada. Yeah, that's, Why? Is that they're flared? trying to that's silence flared? me. Why are they just, trying to silence me? Because everything I'm telling you is critical information. It's that simple, people. Is I'm telling flare, you the truth. Flare, or they're telling you flare lies. airlines, Chris? Flare or all airlines? Or just flare? All airlines. I'd never even flown on flare airlines before. And they're an independently owned airline. So it's on all airlines. It's a and, directive and, from the government. And they can do it because all our airlines take money from the government. Our tax dollars. So when the government tells the airlines, hey, by the way, we're trying to screw Canadians over, so don't let them on the plane unless they have a PCR test. That's highly illegal. The government can't do that, so they're asking the airlines to do it. Just like the government can't ask you to get a mandatory vaccination, so they're getting your employers to tell you, take the vaccination or you're going to get fired. You understand what's going on here, people. The government is not your friend. The government does not have your best interest at heart. And if you comply with what they're telling you, you're going to get screwed. You're going to destroy this country. And your children are going to grow up in a country that's an absolute nightmare. And it's going to be 100% your fault. 
You understand me? So, Chris, what is for you personally, uh, because you're now on a no fly list, what is your recourse? Uh, have you, are, are you going to uh, I'll use launch some sort of a legal I have, challenge? I have always every resource I have available to reprimand the situation. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So, so what's next, Chris? What's your next action? I already told everybody what's next. We have the numbers. 2020 was the year of the awakening. Everybody's awake now. Everybody understands. Most people are just scared to act. So 2021 is now the year of taking action through organization and implementation. I told you, go to your protest where there's thousands of people and break off into the major groups, business owners to open at the same time, concerned parents to challenge the schools about masks, concerned employees to challenge mandatory vaccination with their unions and their, and their employers. And then the people that can go shopping mass free. If we had groups of people, 20, 30 people just roaming around, going to random businesses every single day, mass free, they would have to honor the exemptions. They would have to get rid of the so-called mandated mass. Almost half the United States does no longer have mandated mass. Virtually all the United States have been easing or lifting restrictions. There's, there's open, they're, uh, they're living life. And we're stuck here being told that we need to stay in lockdown. We can't leave our house. We can't see our family. We can't do this. We can't do anything. And it's only getting worse every week. Well, well the that's the true. There are, better. there are, are more restrictions. What's going on? More restrictions coming tomorrow, according to the premier, or at least it looks that of way. Of course, of course. And at the end of the four weeks, they're going to extend it. So all you pathetic losers, and I'm going to say that again, anybody who's a business owner, that hasn't opened yet, you're a pathetic loser. They told you a two-week shutdown, and it's been over a year, and they have no plans to open you over the next year. So the two weeks is going to be two years plus, and you're still going to sit there like a loser waiting for the government to give you permission to go make a, li- a livelihood for you and your family. That's how far we've fallen as human beings, that we're so conditioned, we're so dumbed down, and we're so weakened that Canadians will follow virtually any rule to their own detriment, right down to their own destruction of their own family's future. All right, Chris. absolutely disgusting. We've got to leave it there. We're at it. We got to leave it there. We're out of time. I want to thank you for uh, for coming on and and uh, stating your case. If I was wrong, they wouldn't be coming after me the way I am. You guys can all look at yourselves in the mirror and you'll know I'm 100 percent right with everything I said. So if you want all right. this Chris. to go away, it's time for you to stand up for yourself. It's that simple. All right, Chris. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to uh, Brandon DuPont, Jody Panu. Back tomorrow with the irascible and lovable one, Lou Skeezes. Tony Heller pushes back against climate change alarmism. U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis on Beijing's accelerating timeline for a possible invasion of Taiwan, Iran's nuclear ambitions, and more. The Bob McCowan Show is next. After the news, see you tomorrow at 4. Now, don't be late. Until then, I remain unbent, unbowed, unbroken. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM.
Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.